you would please turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We are dealing with verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 13, 3 and 4. Please follow in the reading of the Word. Verse 3, Since you are seeking for proof of the Christ who speaks in me, and who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you, for indeed he was crucified because of weakness, yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also are weak in him, yet we live with him because of the power of God directed towards you. Father, thank you. Thank you for this section. Father, thank you that we understand that there is authority in the process of sanctification. And Father, I ask that as every one of us here has a rebellious heart, that Father, we understand first and foremost the significance of this season that you took on the veil of humanity in the form of an infant. And how weak is a newborn child. And yet, Father, your majesty reigns forever. And Lord, um, we who are called by your name, let us celebrate in our hearts the joys of our salvation, the promises of our full redemption, and Father, the overwhelming love that you have showed us. And that, Father, we may show that love to humanity that comes into our lives. Thank you, my King, my Lord, and my Savior. Amen. I started this section out last week kind of as an overview on the trials that we as individuals have towards authority. And I think that they're magnified in our society. Understand, this country had a problem with authority and threw the British out. The struggle that began with England was how much authority to grant to central government, to a ruling body. We still struggle with it. We thought we had it figured out when um, we understood how much should the central government have versus the colonies or the states. We came up with a constitution and we came up with a Bill of Rights. The problem was is that the issue of states' rights was not really completely resolved until the Civil War. But if I look around now, I see that same battle again. Part of me looks at it and sees large volumes of lawlessness done by individual states and by a centralized government. So it's rising again. Know that it will end in some type of a conflict eventually. Uh, it may be in our lifetimes. It may not be in our lifetimes. The proverbial writing is yet again on the wall. When I look at the problem that you and I have with authority, there were four things that I listed out that were the primary causes for this. One was rebellion against God. God is a king. That makes him a monarch. That means you are and I are his subjects. All right. He does not ask for your opinion. He does not ask for your ideas. 
your recommendations. He wants people to say amen and amen. Second, we have managed because we have rebellion against God that we have moved now to no moral absolutes. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. Once you have those two steps in, the third step is inevitable. Parental discipline or, or the lack of it. And now we are two generations out and you have a generation of children who were not disciplined who are now raising children who are not disciplined. Which leads to the fourth thing that you will have multiple generations that will believe the supremacy of personal rights. My rights are greater than anyone else's. Socrates says that that cannot exist because when everyone demands their own right, the only outcome is anarchy. Okay? I look at this text, understanding the context of 2 Corinthians, and I look at the first part of verse 3, and it says, Since you are seeking for proof of the Christ who speaks in me, Stop right there. This is the assault on the Apostle Paul. This is where it begins. Assault Paul's authority. Paul has no right to speak for Christ. Has no right to speak for God. He's just someone who's in it for the cash. For the accolades. The goal of every faithful preacher is to allow Christ to speak through him. That should be their goal. I have sat in college classes before and heard professors. They will speak on things that are true. I have sat under preachers who allow the power of the Holy Spirit to overtake them and they speak forth the truth of God in the power of the Holy Spirit and there is a huge difference. Okay? Both can speak truth. But one has eternal power behind it. Now listen. It, this doesn't happen through an audible voice. It isn't that the preacher's voice changes into James Earl Jones. Okay? Or in my generation, George Burns. Everybody would have to think about that for a minute and... Remember John Denver and George Burns, and George Burns played who? God. And he was almost as old as God, but not quite. All right, but there's just something about God being that short, cranky, and smoking a cigar just didn't fit in my... But anyway, the preacher does not change in an audible voice of speaking God, okay? But it is through the proclamation of His Word. It is, you know, I can read this. Since you are seeking for proof of the Christ who speaks in me, thus saith the Lord. That's God's word. That's God's word. A sure mark of a true man of God is that he accurately handles the word of God. Second Timothy chapter 2 Verse 15, show yourself a worker approved, what? 
rightly dividing truth. There is a movement in the evangelical community right now, and it is across denominational lines. It is in seminaries, it is in Bible colleges, and it is in churches. It is rampant. Okay? It's called the hermeneutics of humility. Okay? Hermeneutics is a fancy way of saying a method of study. How do I study? Okay? And then the hermeneutics, the method of study of humility. What they're saying is, is that I am too humble to know what the Bible says. Okay? Now, I tend to notice that the guys who don't want to read the book kind of live in this lane. Okay? I'm trying to figure out how do you with a straight face say, then why did he give us a book? He's not hiding anything. But that is so dangerous that people, but yet it comes off as being excruciatingly humble that I cannot really know what the Bible says. You know what? In some cases, that individual I would agree with because natural man cannot know the things of God. Okay. Although the Apostle Paul had preached the truth to the Corinthians, some in the Corinthian church, understandably, under the influence of false teachers, false preachers, false apostles, were questioning his apostolic authority. It's, it's the seed of doubt. Has God said? Has God sent that man? Okay. They were not impressed with Paul's meekness. His gentleness. I'll take you back a little ways. Chapter 10 of this letter. Verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. Okay, listen, they were mistaking meekness for weakness. Okay, they were mistaking gentleness for weakness. They wanted to see something with some umfta to it. I was sharing in the Sunday school this morning when I first got to Russia. It was wild because the guys who believed they were called to preach were excruciatingly enthusiastic. And it kind of freaked me out at first because I would watch numerous guys and they would take these towels and they would roll them up and they would put them around their necks before they started preaching. And they were sweating so much in the process of preaching. I thought, boy... I don't know if I've ever sweated preaching. Okay? I mean, you know, there's maybe been a couple of times. But, but these guys were all doing this. And, and I kept thinking. But what I learned was it was that enthusiasm and that energy that they were throwing out there that everybody says, well, you're called to preach. Well, the truth of the matter is, if you listen to their messages when I interpreted them, they weren't even shallow. 
And I thought, well, how is it you're sweating that much and there ain't anything there? And over time, we corrected that. So be real careful when you want to see, uh, I, I hear them, a powerful speaker. It was like a voice from heaven. And I have heard that. Listen, the Corinthians, I, I want you to understand something. It says here in verse 3 of chapter 13. Since you are seeking for proof. Now listen. There is nothing wrong with seeking for proof. In fact, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, speaking to the church in Ephesus, Jesus himself says this, I know your deeds, and you toil, and perseverance, and you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to test those who call themselves apostles. Okay, so to test somebody is not a problem. Okay, here's the problem. By what standard are you testing them? Because they wrap a towel around their neck and they sweat when they're preaching. Listen, they've got I, I watch. I've seen this process in the past. And I've seen it in different churches where men will send in a message. They're candidating for a pulpit. And they'll send a message in, CD, cassette, whatever it is. Or they'll have it on YouTube. I don't know. And what they do, they call it your sugar stick. Okay? A sermon that you preached really well. Okay? And so you're good at preaching that sermon and that's the one I want to audition for. I use that sermon. Okay? Well, I understand why you would do that. But I'm not understanding if God's calling you to a place, why you need to do that. Okay? I think after 20 years, I still haven't gotten one good enough that I want to send out there. So I'm going to just keep working at it. Okay? But 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 I, I know it's sort of like you want to do your interview and I want to give my best foot forward. Okay, is that the standard? Should that be the standard for someone who's going to take care of your eternal destiny? They're powerful. They're charismatic. They're funny. They're nice to be around. They can turn a phrase. See what the Corinthians do? They had wrong standards. Oh, have you looked around our community? Paul didn't um, show uh, a, a forceful, a dominant personality. Some of the greatest preachers that I've ever had to be blessed to sit with, okay, to hear their preaching and to actually spend Time in fellowship with them. You know what was amazing about them? They all had one thing in common. Multiple generations. You know what it was? They were all introverts. Well, you wouldn't expect that from a pastor, a preacher. They should be an extrovert. Out there among the people. 
talkative. And yet, whether it was Adrian Rogers, Charles Stanley, Stephen Olford, John MacArthur, they're all introverts. They prefer to be left alone. Leave me alone. But yet, when it was time for them to share what the Lord had given them in the Word, all of a sudden it is this powerful thing that comes out and you go, whoa. And, well, he seems prideful and arrogant. No, he sounds studied and confident. Paul didn't show that forceful personality. Paul didn't show the characteristics of the false. In chapter 11 of this letter, verses 20 and 21, For you tolerate if anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, anyone who hits you in the face. To my shame, I must say that we have been weak by comparison. Ain't that truly how it is today? That's the way it was in Corinth. Chapter 12, verse 13 Twelve thirteen. For in what respect were you treated as inferior to the rest of the churches, except I myself did not become a burden to you? Forgive me this wrong. It's fascinating, isn't it? What impresses in the church in Corinth? What impresses in the church today? Today. Listen. The same impression that was going on in the church in Corinth is flourishing in our society today. Greatly in Castle Rock. Greatly in Castle Rock. And yet, there's no demand for the proof. There's no demand. You look at chapter 12, verse 12. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. And yet, in verse 3 of chapter 13, since you are seeking proof of the Christ who speaks through me. Listen, you know what that is? Paul's given them proof. Signs and wonders and miracles. The signs of an apostle were done. Okay? They've got two big problems here. They want proof that he's an apostle. Because remember, they used the term mega apostles, super apostles, these false teachers who had come in behind him. And they're saying, well, Paul isn't an apostle. We're super apostles. How do we know? Because we take advantage of you. We charge you. We can turn a phrase. We can hold the crowd's attention. We can make you laugh. We can make you feel inspired. We can make the hair stand up on the back of your neck and give you goosebumps to boot. Why would you want to listen to the Apostle Paul? Well, they've got two problems, two serious problems. To doubt Paul's genuineness as an apostle. Okay? The Corinthians would have to doubt their own genuineness as Christians. 
Paul sent an apostle to the Gentiles. That's Corinth. Okay, we don't see him go anywhere to the synagogues and teach. He did that in Thessalonica. He does that normal. But uh, Corinth was a nasty place. And even Jews sort of, eh, I don't want no part of that place. All right. So if you doubt that God sent this man to proclaim his gospel, and he's the one who birthed the church, then are you saved? That's a problem. If you're doubting the genuineness of the Apostle Paul's calling. He had been God's instrument in Corinth for salvation and sanctification. In an awful society. You can't imagine the, the depravity that was common in the city of Corinth. Basically, this is that, let me cut the limb off that I'm sitting on. Chapter 13, verse 6. But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. Okay? Also, there's another problem. Are you really a Christian, if you doubt who Christ sent? Second thing is, to challenge the Apostle Paul's apostleship would be challenging the authority of the Lord Christ Jesus. Again, what did I say was the first step to coming against authority? Rebelling against God. Well, that would be Christ. And if God says, this is how I'm going to do it, why do you believe that you have to come up with a better plan? And yet that's what the Corinthians were do. It was the Lord Christ Jesus who personally and supernaturally chose and sent Paul and specifically to Corinth. He set him apart on the road to Damascus to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Okay, now you think about that for a second because if you're in church in Corinth... There you are now, you've come out of some of the most depraved paganism that the world has ever seen. And now you stand in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the gospel, immersed in the Holy Spirit, lacking no spiritual gifts. Amazing things are happening. And now you want to doubt whether Paul was sent to you. Was he truly man's God? Huh? That's weird, isn't it? But you know what? How many times have we seen it? How many times have we seen it? I have people that I have run into over the years that have gone on to different silliness and they asked me what I'm doing, and I tell them, and they said, you're still doing that? Yep. Still doing that. Okay? So did the Apostle Paul. And that's what I try to follow, is the Apostle Paul. I, I want to share with you something, because this is really amazing. We are in a strange time in our country. Well, to say the least, I mean, and, I, and I'm not necessarily dealing with the, 
it's easy to get wrapped up into what the uh, politics and yeah, stuff like that. Uh, I like to listen to some of it because some of it makes me chuckle. Because I, I look at Romans 1 and it says, professing to be wise, they become fools. And I'm like, yeah, every time I turn a political dissertation on, ha, look, the Bible is true. Professing to be wise, they become fools. Anyway, I, it's just kind of numbing to me. I want you to think about this for, though. Paul was not the first of God's servants to have his authority challenged. Okay? Numbers. Chapter 16. In about the first three verses, you'll see a group, Korah, Dathan, Abayan, and they have assembled together against Moses. They assembled together. They rose up before Moses together with some of the sons of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation. See, this is where congregational rule gets you into trouble. 250 leaders of the congregation. The chosen in the assembly. Men of renown. Verse 3 says, They assembled together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone far enough. For all of the congregation are holy. Every one of them. And the Lord is in their midst. So why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? You know what they're saying? Our holiness outnumbers yours. Really? Brother, I've been in this church for, uh, as a senior pastor for over 20 years, I've been in this church for almost 35. I've seen this. A dear friend of mine who is in glory right now, powerful in the Word of God, a wonderful lady. Uh, I miss her terribly. She was my greatest fan of my sermons. She made a comment about the people like that in the church. She says, they're silverback grizzlies. They got gray hair and they know it all. And if you don't believe me, ask them. And they will fight you like a bear. I know a church that blew up that she attended up in Hamilton, Montana, because instead of passing the plates, they put a box at the back of the door, and on your way out, you dropped your offering in the box. Huh. That church blew up. It divided. And she says it was all because of a couple of silverback grizzlies. I knew their pastor at that time. See, even Moses understood now listen, you ought to understand, in Judaism today, the greatest man that has ever walked the planet is who? Moses. Let me show you another one. Chapter 12 of Numbers, verses 1 and 2. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. Remember when he left Egypt and he found Jethro? And he married Jethro's daughter and became a sheep herder. They were Cushite. Now, 
Do you know who Miriam and Aaron are? That's brother and sister. And they're mad at Moses because he married a Cushite woman. Do you realize that he was married to her before he came and performed the Exodus? And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not through us as well? And the Lord heard it. And now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who is the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said, Moses and Aaron and to Miriam, the three of you come out of the tent in the meeting. And the three of them came out and God chastened them. Okay. Over who he had married. Numbers chapter 20, verse 3. The people thus contended with Moses and spoke, saying... If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. That's the death of Miriam. There was no water in the congregation. Why are we following this man? Because he is God's man. Verse 10 of that same chapter. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. And he said to them, Now listen, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? All right. That was Moses. I mean, let's be realistic, brothers and sisters. Moses had a track record. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, he just woke up one day and says, hey, I'm going to lead this camping trip through Sinai. Okay. But let me explain something to you. The assault on authority. It goes all the way back to Moses. I can take you farther than that. But I want one I want you to think about. In John's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 18, the Jews said to Jesus, What sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? Really? I was reading a commentator on this, and he said that, He does not understand how they in straight honesty could ask this question when death and disease ceased in Palestine for three years. Chapter 6 of John's Gospel, verse 30. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who had given you bread out of heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Some of the scribes and the Pharisees, okay? Scribes are the experts in the law. Okay, lawyers and the Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. 
He said he'd show him the sign of Jonah. They didn't get that. Chapter 16 of Matthew's Gospel, verse 1, The Pharisees and Sadducees came up testing Jesus, and they asked Him to show them a sign from heaven. You see it in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 11. You see it in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 29. They challenged whether Jesus was sent by God. They challenged whether Moses was sent by God. They challenged the Apostle Paul whether he was sent by God. They challenged Peter whether he was sent by God. How depressing. How depressing. These men forfeit their temporal lives to bring forth eternal life to all who would listen. And all they were asking for is show us a magic trick. Not the fact that souls were redeemed. Not the fact that sin was dealt with. Not the fact that you could see the sanctification of pagan people. Not the fact that the church was growing by leaps and bounds in the power of the preaching of the Word and the Word only. They said, prove it. Now then, I do want to close with some good news. Okay? The assault on authority... The good news is, as God has done when his other servants are attacked, when their authority is challenged, whether it's Ezekiel, whether it was Daniel, whether it was Jeremiah, whether it was Malachi, it don't matter. Okay? God worked powerfully through those people, through the Apostle Paul, To remove all doubt about his apostolic authority or the prophet's authority. Okay? They challenged the Apostle Paul's authority. Anybody in here Jewish? No? You are the fruit of the Apostle Paul. 2,000 years ago. What was his authority? Enough to redeem Gentiles in the year 2015. What was the Apostle Paul's authority? That's from God. It stands today, endures today, has endured since the birth of the church, And will endure until the redemption of the church. That's the Apostle Paul's authority. But understand. It will be assaulted. And when you have a generation of people growing up right now. With the quote unquote hermeneutics. Of humility. What are they going to do when authority smacks them right in the chops? Daniel didn't get up in the morning and say. Well I think. God should. Go read Isaiah. Dude was nuts. Read Ezekiel. Jeremiah. John the Baptist. Jesus. Paul. Peter. Matthew. Luke. Timothy. No, man. 
when God sends them out, they'll be attacked. Their authority will be questioned. And yet God will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what they could have ever thought or imagined. Next week I'll show you affirming the authority. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. And uh, Father, the faithfulness that that man just shows all of us even this day. Uh, We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to uh, hide our heads ashamed. Father, let us, each of us, be workers approved, rightly dividing your truth. And Father, may we uh, boldly proclaim Christ, and even if necessary, use words. Let our redeemed lives shine so bright that the world stands in awe of people, men and women, who are called by your name, strengthened by your spirit, and standing on your truth. Father, help us. Help us to be overcomers. To you, my Lord, my Savior, Christ's name. Amen.